What is up, guys? And thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a lot to get to. Obviously, we had the Super Bowl this past weekend. Kendall, I think, is uh, just about ready to pop some uh, champagne and do his victory lap because he was indeed pretty on the on the money with his uh, prediction of a, a, Buc- a Buccaneers victory. I don't think he necessarily saw the demolition that we ended up seeing in that game. But nonetheless, the Bucks did take home the Super Bowl. Um, Tom Brady, now a seven-time Super Bowl champion. We'll talk about that game and just kind of the, the, the fallout and the ramifications of those results. We'll also talk about some other stuff happening in the NFL. Russell Wilson, a player who was not accustomed to really um, talking too much or applying really any kind of pressure on his team in any controversial way, uh, made some interesting comments this week about uh, about what he wants to see his team do in the future and, and, and the role he wants to have in seeing that future through. And I think that it took a lot of people by surprise. It took some people aback. And we'll, I'll give you guys and we'll give you guys our thoughts on, on those comments. I also want to talk to Kendall um, about a, a another situation that's going on in Philly where you have you know, Carson Wentz potentially. Um, well, they, they, it seems like they're trying to trade him, but there seems to be some trouble and some miscommunication as to exactly what his value is on the open market. So uh, I'll probably ask Kendall a little, a little bit about that. And uh, one thing I do want to say, Kendall, and obviously this is you know a football-centric show, but if you check out our YouTube channel, if it's not up already, soon you'll be seeing a, a video talking about this uh, G League Ignite game. Uh, Ignite game. It's, it's rare that you ever hear us talk about the G League in a meaningful way, but now that we have top-notch prospects in the G League and, and playing in games, we have no choice but to, to cover it. And they had their first game this week against the, the Warriors G League team, the Santa Cruz Warriors, I believe they're called. Kendall, uh, just uh, initially, just what were your thoughts on some of the guys you saw out there? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, Jalen Green is the uh, the 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 main attraction. Uh, I would say of that of that team. Um, he was uh, ESPN's number one high school basketball player in the country last season, um, and obviously opted to go to the G League instead of uh, to college. Um, and he uh, definitely flashed some, some some nice athleticism, but he also still is a work in progress, I think, as a player. Um, and, you know, I actually think that he probably would have been better served playing in college. I actually think someone like Kate Cunningham actually may have been better served playing in the G League, if that makes any sense. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think the guy who came away most impressive in, uh, in this uh G League setting was was Jonathan Kuminga, who came into college or came into the G League rather. Um, I would say unheralded because he was a he was number one junior in the country, but yeah. uh, kind of uh, you know uh, under the radar from in the mainstream because he was not a senior up until uh, he reclassified up a year to uh, the twenty twenty class. Um, but Kuminga was clearly the best player on the floor amongst uh, the G League Ignite players, uh, not named Jared Jack. Um, but uh, Jared shout, Jack, shout, out, shout out to Jared Jack. Yeah, if Jared yeah. Jack, if he was eligible for the draft, I mean, he, he might have been a lottery pick. Yeah, but. I mean, Jared Jack, who, he look, look, he looks like he could be old enough to, to be a draft pick. I mean, the guy is <laughs> yeah. not aged in the you know, 16 years. He's playing yeah, professional man. ball. So yeah, shout out to Jared like, Jack, former Nick great. Yeah, I know, right? Former Nick. I felt like I was watching him out there playing with Chris Bosh. He, he hasn't aged today. But <laughs> Tony Allen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no, nah, I mean he's a uh, he's a really he's a really good player, um, Johnson Kaminga. So I, I'm, I'm I was impressed with both of you guys. But listen to our video if you want to get the the full uh, the, yeah. the the full full breakdown of the D League Ignite. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely check out that video. You know, I I, I coincide uh, my views with Kendall. I, I was impressed with both guys, but particularly Kaminga. You know, Green may be a little bit more of a work in progress, but Kaminga, if you haven't watched that game. I think you want to check it out. I think you'll be very impressed with what he was able to put out there in his uh, first debut. With and what's interesting about Kuminga, real quick, I didn't mention this in our video, but he's a wing. Obviously, getting yes. the guard for people that don't know. Uh, Jonathan Kuminga is a 68 wing forward, probably more of a forward than even a wing. But he's the only guy, really, in this draft that's going to be drafted that high that is a wing. The rest of these guys are guards, and then you have Evan Mobley, who's a big. Um, and then after that, there is pretty there is a nice little run on wings. I think after this first tier of guys. Yeah. But if you're a team that doesn't need a lead guard, which you know the guard position is pretty deep nowadays, some teams don't need guards. Like John Kuminga could wind up being a guy where, like, think about the the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've got Anthony Edwards. They've got D'Angelo Russell. They've got Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. What they don't have is a forward like John Kuminga. So. Right. You know, there are certain teams out there where they may not, they may not want Kate Cunningham or uh, Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs because they already have a bunch of lead guards who like the ball in their hands, but they may want a guy like John Kuminga. So that's what's interesting about him is he's much different than the other guys. Like, Green is going to have a tough time beating out Suggs and Cunningham just because they all play the same position. Yeah, and, and particularly with Green, you know, I mean, there, there may be teams that try to make him a, a lead guard or – a pseudo combo guard, but you know he he really is naturally a two. So when you look at Green and you compare him to Suggs and 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 uh, you know uh, Cunningham, the, those are true point guards. Yeah. So and point and point guard right now is is becoming more and more like quarterback in the in the NFL. I mean it's a prime, prime position, and if you have an elite prospect at that position, you have to draft him super high. So that's going to be a hurdle for him in terms of he wants to be number one pick. And he might have a hurdle on his own team with the way Kaminga's playing it too. But but that's just something to consider as well. One other quick thing before we get to the Super Bowl, something I did want to bring up. Uh, why is the NBA think an all-star game is needed or we want to see this? And I say that to say, look, I am super – usually I am super pro all-star game. I know it's a little bit – it became a little bit more of a controversial take, especially in the last five or six years before they did this last game, which was great last year. But we had a couple of really terrible all-star games in a row where there was no effort, no energy given on either side. and um, But I've always still been pro All-Star game. I love All-Star weekend. It's my favorite All-Star weekend by far of any other league. But uh, I don't know if Adam Silver can't read the room, but he needs to because nobody, the fans aren't really clamoring for this. The players don't want any part of it. And not only are you talking about an a All-Star game, now I'm talking this word that he wants to do, a, a dunk contest during the halftime? I mean, come on. Well, I think... Adam Silver, I don't know if it's a problem with him being, not being able to read the room as much as it is uh, he's, he's reading the balance sheet. <laughs> and okay. He's looking at the checkbook, and he's like, uh, this isn't looking too good right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's a money thing. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard said it as much, said this is all about money. Um, it's pretty. It's going to be tough to watch, I'll be honest. I don't think the ratings is going to be great for this. Because, like, again, the fans aren't energized. The players aren't energized. Why would the fans be energized? You know, I'm going to be, I'm if I'm watching it, I'm gonna just going to be like, wow, this is just a money grab. You know? Um, I Don't be surprised if a lot of guys pull out. 
Pro Bowl style. And we get like Yeah. And if that happens, does the NBA just say we're gonna cancel? And what's we annoying to and what's 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 concerning to me, Kendall, is you know, I felt like the NBA also game was on that tipping point of becoming the Pro Bowl. And, you know, last year's, you know, amendments to the game, I thought, made great strides to bringing it back to what it should be in terms of on a competitive level. I, I'm not, you know, look, the hope is that we're not in this pandemic forever and that at some point we have more normal style pro sports that includes a lot of fans and fanfare and fan interaction, things like that. Um but but still, like I, I hope that this doesn't, you know, kind of set set the trend and kind of set an example going the other way, going the wrong way, where uh, you know all it takes is one bad year where people don't care much about the offensive game, and then, you know next year there's maybe still restrictions, though there's probably fans at least at the offensive game. Maybe more guys say, ah, oh, this isn't what it used to be. I'll skip this one too. Like that's that's what I think the danger they they, they have with doing this. You know, the offensive game is a great tradition. I think the players. You know, while playing super competitively hasn't always necessarily been in their interest. I think they're very interested in at least being there and being selected and being on the court. So I don't want this to become a thing where they don't want to be there. And right now they don't. And it's not because of basketball reasons. It's, it's because of the pandemic, all the things that go into it, and, and just trying to keep everybody safe. I, I You know, I, I don't know what the numbers are in regards to how much money they'll lose if they don't have it. I'm sure TNT is on their behind in regards to making sure this thing happens, which is, I think, the only reason why this thing is probably happening. And perhaps there's a contractual thing where if they don't go through with it, there's some big issue that will happen for them. But I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it, it would make more sense. It makes more sense for everybody involved to not do it. And certainly, we do not need to be bringing those slams on contests to, to, to the All-Star Weekend. I mean, we, we get annoyed about the slams on contests every other year good, bad, or indifferent, like, you know, bringing that to the All-Star game in the pandemic is just, to me, just this, uh, lacks common sense. Um, so so let's see how that ends up shaking out, but I'm hoping that we are able to move on from that and just name the All-Stars, give them the honor, and give them the, the bread that they would have gotten in their bonuses for making the All-Star game, and just keep it pushing. Let those guys have that week off or whatever, how much long they'll have off to regroup and, and refresh during what's you know, a very difficult time for a lot of people here in America living through this pandemic and it's, you know, probably even more, uh, not more difficult, obviously, because these guys are millionaires, but the very least uh, more challenging for them than normal to have to go through all these different things during this season amid the pandemic. Um, I do want to now, though, shift focus back to the NFL. As I said, the Buccaneers are Super Bowl champions. They demolished the, the Kansas City Chiefs pretty much from start to finish. The game was not too competitive. I think that if you're looking at Obviously, the key, I don't want to say takeaways per se, but I guess the key points of the game that kind of uh, allowed for the score to be what it was, it was simple. Um, the the Chiefs played destructive football when it came to penalties, when it came to mental errors. Um, the Buccaneers were able to hit Mahomes early and often. The Chiefs had, were completely incapable of protecting him given the injury they had in the offensive line. And the, rate, the Buccaneers' offense was steady and given the all the opportunities and all the mishaps by the Chiefs they took advantage and had a really well organized well structured game plan Tom Brady was as sharp as he would that you expect him to look at this point in his career um Kendall was on point with saying the running game would be a, a big factor in this game it was and you had a dominant home win for in a rare home win in the Super Bowl for the Buccaneers just was shocking to me to see the Chiefs look that sorry 
considering how dominant they've been all season. But I guess that's just how this year goes. <laughs> you know, nothing makes sense. Nothing is uh, is guaranteed, and, and and all things are upside down. So Chiefs laying after being the Super Bowl champions, the Chiefs coming in a big spot and laying a gigantic egg is is par for the course for these times, I guess. What was that you said, EJ? Uh, I, I was too busy uh, cooking up some crow. <laughs> you uh nah um this was look well first of all if i'm eating crow i'm giving i'm shipping i'm, I'm getting to my fedex or calling amazon and i'm shipping some over to rob the ray because he deserves some too because he was with me on this pick of the Chiefs yeah by yeah. a considerable margin so just to say i'm not i'm not i'm not down in all of that <laughs> fair enough fair enough um i i see this was an interesting game uh not something that you've heard uh for most people most viewers, are, I don't, I, know. I, I, don't ag- I don't, I don't agree that it was an interesting game. Um, it was, it was, it was surprising. There was some um, interesting. There but was once, interesting, once, they, once it, once it got going, it was like, oh, this is how this is gonna go. Yeah, you kind of saw how interesting. Oh, I mean, you know, so we're we gonna do the thing. You know, what, what is Mahomes' legacy? How does this affect his legacy that's, in year that's four? Not. <laughs> that's not. Please it's, don't. Yeah, I mean, look, New England. Let's call New England, Tampa Bay. Uh, is the more complete football team. And what I think we learned uh, last week is that, um, in a, especially when you get to this level, um, when you're competing for a championship, a lot of the game is about not having as many holes as the other team. Um, it's, it like, and if it's relatively balanced, then, then it becomes a little more intricate. But when you're talking about a team like Tampa Bay, that's very deep at almost all phases of the game. They have a really yeah. good pass on defense. They have really good linebackers on the second level. They've got good players in the secondary. Um, on offense, their line is strong. They've got good receivers. They've got a you know a quarterback that you could argue maybe is a game manager at this stage of his career, but he may be the best game manager in the league by far. Um, and then you have two running backs from Fournette and Ronald Jones that are starting level guys, both on the same team. Just not a whole lot of holes. They may not have the superstars. Like, if you're playing Madden, you're 99-level guys like Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and, you know, Travis Kelsey. They did not have Mitchell Swartz in this game, which uh, obviously hurt them on the offensive line. They did not have Barry Fisher as well. But this 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 Chiefs team, which is not as deep at, at some of those other positions, and we saw that they don't – the, the, the Bucks were able to take advantage of the fact that, you know, their offensive line, obviously, dealing with two injuries at the tackle position, was going to be very weak. Um, you know, when you the, the, the Bucks were able to capitalize on the fact that they had young players in the secondary making bonehead, getting boneheaded penalties and guys in special teams getting boneheaded penalties, you know, and you had a, you had a punter who in the first half looked like, you know, he was you shook out of oh, his yeah, mind. Oh yeah, he was he was not ready to play. <laughs> you know, like you we 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 gloss over these positions and these little things. You think special teams is not an important position until you know you have a punter who's shanking punts in his own territory and guys on the defensive field goal block unit that are getting offsides on fourth and fourth and five. <laughs> yeah. These are major plays in the Super Bowl. And you can't have this. And Tampa Bay just didn't have those flaws. And some of that goes down to coaching. I think a lot of that goes down to coaching. Um, you know, obviously, Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles, 
you know, that entire Fox coaching staff did an excellent job. Um, <laughs> shout out to the reporter who asked Byron Leftwich, you know, what kind of scheme he cooked up defensively to stop Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, hey, how about we not shout out that clown? How <laughs> <laughs> that? Man, um, come um, on, man. Like, that's just terrible. <laughs> In a little fairness, I, I'll I'll shoot like the the smallest bail. I don't know who that gentleman was. Um, you know the people who are covering the Super Bowl. Some of them are not sports people, right? Some, some, of, some of them are some of them are not some of them are not covering not even from sports outlets. So yeah. could you have a guy who came in didn't know anything about the football but was doing you just this. heard about coach and was like. You guys did a great job, Mahomes. And, yeah, maybe he didn't realize both guys were black, and he just assumed the black guy was the kind of coach the defense. That's what I'm saying. So many you know, theories. It, it's all bad, but the only again the, the 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 if I'm giving them two cents of bail, I would say, well, he he maybe he doesn't cover football. It's still egregious because you think that you know the biggest event of the year, um, you're going to be as prepared as possible, and to not be is astonishing, but. Yeah, Give me a I, pass, it's not, not 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 a, not a good shout out from me to that to that, to that gentleman for uh, just thinking all black people look alike. But yeah, I mean, look, Mahomes was was phenomenal. You know, if just the plays that guy was making, you know, and the stats don't look like he was phenomenal. Obviously, and I get it, but the guy was running for his life all game. Especially I mean, this, guy, this guy is you know you know this guy is like falling out of bounds, throwing sixty yard passes, yeah. hitting guys in the helmet who are just dropping the ball. Yeah, I mean the it's, NFL. It's the, crazy. The, yeah, the inside the NFL, you know, mic'd up with the Bucks receivers watching Mahomes work his magic was was so cool to see. You know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin talking about, "Yo, this guy, man, how do he do that? This guy's a magician." You know, like they were just in a, in amazement off the plays that a lot of them probably were incompletions that they were bugging out about. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I mean none of this loss is on Mahomes. He just didn't have the line. Some receivers made some drops. Um, and, look, it's tough. because. So, so, I think Kansas City, if you're asking me what happened in this game, look, I think, you know, obviously, like I said, my keys in terms of what Tampa Bay needed to do offensively, uh, they, I think they, Brian Leftwich had a money game plan. Um, but a lot of it still... You know, was only as good as how the defense played. You can't, I mean, you can't play that way all game if your defense can't get yeah, stopped. Yeah, exactly. But, but that defense was getting stops, and you know, I feel like Kansas City should have. It's. I feel like they didn't. They didn't establish a run game until the second half. And yeah, that, that was that was my biggest issue, and I, I texted yeah. you that during the game. I thought that Kansas City needs to understand. You know, they need to know who they are for this game. I know who they are during the regular season and when they're fully healthy. But you got to coach the team you have, not the team that you normally have. Yeah. And they needed to see, okay, offensive line stinks. You know that yeah. during the week of preparation. You know that watching the film against the Buffalo Bills. You watch that, you say, okay, offensive line is, is not good. And we're going against um, a defensive line that has the potential to be hellacious. They haven't always played that way, but they have the kind of players that can be that kind of game-wrecking players. A Barrett who was... A JPP who was, a Sue who was, a Vita who was. Like, those guys are, are, are high-level players. Maybe yeah. if injuries or other issues didn't allow them necessarily to play at the highest level all season this year. To me, if I was Andy Reid and I was Biennemi, I think that you got to switch up the game plan a little bit. You got to get the running game going because, one, that would have gave your offensive line potentially 
some confidence because that defensive line would have had their pin, ears pinned back early trying to get up the field. They could have broke out some nice runs. One, it could have gave the offensive line some confidence. Two, could have slowed down that pass rush a little bit. And three, it would have opened up now play action in, in other kinds of games. They needed to kind of play the way the Bucks played. Like they didn't yeah. maybe realize it as they as they were going through the game or going into the game, but how the Bucks played was actually how the Chiefs needed to also play. We all assumed their, their problems. I, I think I think Tampa Bay. We all assumed. I think Tampa Bay assumed like if this game gets into a shootout, like Kansas City's going to win. I think Kansas City. Yeah, really. and they and they would have. I mean, the Chiefs played terrible, terrible offensive football, and the Bucks still only scored thirty-one points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what, what did I tell you? The number was thirty. That's what yeah. I saw as their. That's what I th- saw as their ceiling. Yeah. It, that's what it was. In the game which they a, a better offense would have scored 50, they scored 30. Yeah, exactly. And and also, you know, the adjustment that you mentioned while we were watching this game was that, you know, Tobbles was just, he was just going to have two safeties deep. You know, like you're not exactly. going to be. It's so, you know, I'm not saying it's easy, you know, to defend the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's certainly a lot easier when they don't have, they have two backup tackles. They got guards playing tackle. That stuff, it becomes easier, obviously. But given the situation at hand, knowing that they don't have much of a line, just don't let them beat you deep. Don't let them beat you deep. Force them to run the football. And they didn't figure it out until the second half. But at that point, they were they were down by so much. And the defense had lost confidence. Um, you know, look, I know people are going to mention flags and... There were some flags there that certainly tilted the game towards uh, Tampa Bay. Um, I, I didn't felt, hate a lot of Yeah, I yeah. felt like every flag that was thrown was a flag. Right. Like, and that's why I think when you saw it, and shout out to Nate Burleson, I think he's arguably the best studio analyst for football in right. the world. I think league, yeah. yeah I think so, so shout out to him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I know he made the point of, you know, this should be like the kind of '90s NBA playoffs where you yeah. kind of let the guys play a little bit. Nah, I'm not gonna buy that. <laughs> I, I, I like you got to play by the rules, and right. the Buccaneers are playing good, solid defense. They're, they're going, they're going against Tyree Kill, the fastest man maybe ever step on the NFL field, not named Devin Hester. So they're able to cover him, you know, normally. Like, like I, you should be able to run with some of these guys on the on the Buccaneers. You don't need, you shouldn't be have to be grabbing them. You shouldn't be tripping them down the field. Like, you you have to make those calls. If the Buccaneers are playing within that those lines and playing physical and aggressive football, then I don't I, I don't want to hear anything about the referees. I, I know it's it's always a conversation with almost all teams. Tom Brady plays for because good teams always seem to always get good whistle, and they were they certainly were. I'm not denying that that was happening. But the Chiefs were making the fouls, and if you make the fouls, you put you kind of put the refs in an impossible position. I can't blame the referees. You know, it's kind of like that uh, that voiceover from Charles Davis um, on Madden, where he's like, you know, you can't, you know, can't blame me. You're forcing me to throw the flag. Like that's right. Like you know, play solid and, and, and make me allow me to keep the flag in my pocket. The Chiefs didn't do that on a lot of occasions. You know, them lining up offsides, on a, again, on a field goal. I mean, that's – what are you supposed – you, you it's against the rules. Like, you got to throw that flag. You know, if a guy's running free down the field and he puts his guy a hand on his hip and then he trips him with his foot on a ball that we think Mike Evans may have had a chance if he didn't fall. I'm that, sorry. One was, that one was close, and that one really just came down to it – was, it, was, it was a flag in terms of contact. It was just whether or not it was catchable. 
And right. And it's not up to the it's not up to the ref to decide whether or not he could have dove for that or not. If you if, if it was in his catch radius, which was which I would consider a diving catch in the radius, then that's a flag. You got to give know? it to him. Yeah, and yeah. like you know, it, it was incidental foot contact, but they call that now. So I mean, you know, and 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 then you know the, the play in the end zone, you know, again, like. <laughs> You don't have to make these plays. Like you could, like a lot of these plays were unnecessary. So right. I, I, I didn't understand. Yeah, the, the especially that one. Evans, like I don't know if Evans is getting there. You know, and it's like yeah. you gotta if you're the if you're the corner. I mean, again, it wasn't on purpose, but like you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta, you gotta make Evans make that play. You know, especially and look, I am somebody. I don't hate the pass interference in the NFL, but I don't love it. I don't think anybody loves it, uh, unless yeah, it's, unless I, it's yeah. Crazy. I think I think I think the spot foul thing is 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 spot long, foul thing is long tough. Over, long overdue to be changed. It, it could very easily be fifteen yards. You know, it's a very simple thing that won't change. You know, it won't change the fabric of the game. I mean, it's just. I mean, I'll I'll give you this. I'm even cool with it being like twenty five of being a max. I'm cool with that, but I don't right. think it should be uh, a spot foul. And I don't think – I think inside the red zone, I don't think it should be – I definitely don't think it should be a spot foul. Like, I think to me, like, on that play where you're 15 yards out and you get a pass from in the end zone, now you're on the one. That, to me, is right. crazy. Like, that, to me, is a clear – now, I know it's tough because you get into situations, you say, okay, but, like, there are plays where it's obvious that, like, you're going to get beat, so just tackle the guy and, and just live for another play if it's, like, you know, an end-of-the-game kind of situation. I, I get all that. But I don't like what we have. I don't like that for passing. Because we have no clue if the guy would have actually caught the ball. We're yeah. giving them the ball on the one-yard line. That to me is outrageous. We watch college football all every weekend, every Saturday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen a situation where I've said where like, a team has like, exploited the passing. Yeah, I've team. never seen it. Yeah. Because it's only 15 yards. Yeah, I've never seen a guy say I'm gonna intentionally get a passing interference, and, and you'll even you'll even see the announcer say like, "Well, it's probably good that he did that because otherwise it might right. be a touchdown." But it's but, not something they actually do. No, yeah, <laughs> like on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe the the coaches in the NFL are a little better. Maybe they would take advantage of that. But it's just you know what I do know is that there are offenses that 100 percent take advantage of the fact that you throw it up. Yeah, they, exactly. Worst yeah, you throw up it, yeah. Some receivers, worst case scenario, you're gonna get a pass interference. Right, and to me, that's like just like the NBA where you're fishing for fouls. Like to me, that's that's ridiculous. That's not party. football. Yeah, you know. So so I, I I don't I'm not crazy about that. But otherwise, you know, I, I I don't think that that the whistle really had it had an impact. But I mean, it was an impact that the Chiefs allowed to happen. It wasn't like the referees were were calling. I thought a bad game. I thought they called a good game. So what does this mean for Brady's legacy? I mean, look, I don't think there's any I don't think there's any rational case to say that he's not the greatest of all time. Yeah. I mean, could you make it? I mean, sure, but I don't think it makes any sense. You know, I think that any excuses that you would make for him and there are things you can say about him. I just don't think they if they hold weight given just the level of success for this long now for a different team. Yeah, different organization, teams. different setup, different system. Like, I don't know what you can say. Guy's like, 43 years no old, parallel. still playing at a high level. He plays against, you know, I know the defense was 
who were the ones who played against Pat Mahomes. He's playing against a guy that everyone thinks is the next one, and he plays like that. Pretty much plays a, a pretty much flawless game. You know, it wasn't like he like it wasn't like he threw for six hundred yards, but he played great. No turnovers. He was solid throughout. Um, and then, and then like we don't have any any guessing, any like conversation or any doubt that like next year he's gonna come back and probably play at another high level again. Like we don't see her thinking, okay, but Brady, I don't know, he 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 really might have to hang it up after this one. Like I I kind of thought that maybe after the conference championship game, but you can't really say that after watching what you saw in the two. Like he, like the way we're looking at Brady now is like I like I mean he's not coming off like the greatest year of his career, but it's almost like Manning after Manning went to the Super Bowl in in Denver that first time, and. You know, again, that team was a little more explosive, but it was the same where it was Manny, where you're like, you're, there was no doubt that he was going to come back and he was going to be dominant again. Um, and he had, you know, another two two or three years uh, on him. You know, it was a tough two or three years, and he had, you know, he had his injuries or whatnot. But, like, you feel like Brady's got two or three years. And now, look, this is a situation in Tampa Bay that was really a really good one. And he he played him he played it perfectly, signing in in Tampa Bay. Um, they they he 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 has a magnetic thing about him where guys want to play with him. Um, he does an excellent job. He deserves a lot of credit in not being an egotistical player. You know, I think. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason, like he has, he, you know, he has this, you know. Um, thing about him where you would just assume he's Hollywood, you know. Yeah. Um, the amount of everything that he's won, being from California, he's got the supermodel wife. You just assume, well, this guy's Hollywood. He's the biggest egotistical guy, and that everything I've seen of him in Tampa Bay has been the opposite. Um, he's really acclimated himself as just being one of the guys on that roster, and I think that mm-hmm. that you know has allowed those guys to respect him. Um, and I know, and I know, you know, this is not the time to, you know, just talk about New England necessarily, but I do feel like some of that is credited to the New England culture in that, uh, every guy is kind of replaceable and every guy is just a member of the team doing their job. Right. That it was instilled. You know, if, if you, if you grow up in that culture and he, he grew up in that culture from a very young age. And like the way Bill coaches, like like he just like in Tom Brady kind of got tired of of it being treated like he's just some other guy. Like if that's how you're always going to be ingrained, even when you leave, you're not going to go. You're not going to turn into AB. You're not going to go buck wild. Like you know, if that's who that's who you've been your whole professional career. Even in a different change of scenery, you're going to be that same person. And so what that's you're probably why you've seen that. Belichick deserves as much credit for his ring. As <laughs> I'm not certainly not saying that because uh, all the Brady fans would uh want 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 smoke with me, but <laughs> but uh, no, I, I just think that that cause I agree. I think that one of the things that I think makes Brady special uh, is his ability to really relate to his entire team and all of his teammates. despite being the biggest star in the league and, and, and forget about just being star despite being so old. Yes. Like, like to see how much the young guys really enjoy 
playing with him, how they were excited to get him, and then they were so thrilled to have him on the team, and they've been so thrilled to have him all season. And to see the relationship he's built with those guys. You know? I think he got even better in terms of, like, acclimating to, like, the modern athlete, you know? And, you know, not being... Because, I mean, look, I mean, as old as he is, like, he is not what you would consider a modern era athlete, you know? Absolutely not. You know, I mean, <laughs> if we're being honest. So, like, he's, but he he's found ways, you know, he his little jokes that he always tells on social media. Yeah. Like, I mean, he is, he's done an excellent job of really crafting that brand in a way that makes him fun to play with. And, and it's funny because I feel like, you know, and, and some of it I think is because of the, uh, shall we say, affiliation uh, with the former president, Donald Trump. But I think sometimes he he kind of gets a bad rap as like this very like out of touch uh, diva, right? Um, but there's never he's there's never been he's never shown that not as a football player. There's never been that from ever in his career. So in one sense, it shouldn't be that surprising because again, upbringing in football. And just how he's conducted himself his entire career. But it's still remarkable. Because, I mean, how many times do you just have guys who just, just it, it, they're just stuck in time. And they're, 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 they have an inability to relate to the current athlete. And how much, for a quarterback, that could be a death nail. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I just think he deserves a ton of credit for that. And, and, and he really shows what kind of leader he is. Coming to a new locker room. And you no, know, it's a locker room that didn't have any credibility because they, they hadn't won anything. But still, come into a new locker room and fit in like a glove and become, you know, a leader and a guy that people really seem to genuinely enjoy playing with and playing for. He deserves a lot of credit. I mean, again, to me, when you talk about his legacy, I, I, I don't – we could poke holes, you know, you know, the defense did a lot of the grunt work and whatever. I mean, we could say all that stuff. I mean, come on. At a certain point, it is what it is. I'm a Jets fan. I don't take joy in talking about the greatness of Tom Brady. But I think also as a Jets fan, I think I'm probably way more, um, uh, what's the word, uh, qualified to speak yeah. on it, given I've seen it so up close and personal, how it ruins other franchises. And, you know, what I saw taking place on Sunday was just like, it felt like every other Sunday I've seen from him for the last 20 years. And for him to be that great that long, I mean, it go, to me, it goes beyond football. We got to start having conversations about where does he rank among the greatest athletes. Did you yeah, have, to have, that, you have to have that conversation. Like, it, like it, That becomes a sticky situation. Football is the toughest sport to compare to. Because it's such a team-oriented sport. Yeah, it's you, such so, you really sport. need a lot and of not, especially the to, to work well. Yeah, the quarterback position especially can't be dominated by one guy. You know no, I mean? but but then there's also the idea that this is also probably the hardest position to play in any sport. That's so any it's team sport. To play and like consistently win as much as Brady and be out, and be like outstanding. Yeah, you know, I mean, especially in today's NFL. Again, right? I don't take pride in any of this conversation, but if we're being realistic, you have to have that conversation. Yeah, you've got to be in the if there, are pe- if there are people that are willing to say that Michael Jordan is the greatest athlete of all time with six championships in basketball, where there are people who have more, 
it, it's it's illogical to not have the conversation about Tom Brady who has seven championships and just won one at forty three. Yeah, I mean, this is more championships than any other any franchise. <laughs> it's 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 to look again. I'm a repeat. I'm a Jets fan. I don't take pride in this conversation, but to 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 pretend like this week you don't have to talk about this is blasphemous to me. It's completely blasphemous. Like. I mean, yeah, again, I mean, he has more championships than any other franchise. To me, the only thing that you can really discuss at all, and to, as to why you wouldn't consider him, is uh, Spygate and some deflated footballs. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just don't know. If that's enough for me to say that this guy isn't the greatest of all time. I, I like, like, if that's really because I don't see a football argument anymore. So if 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 that's what we're holding on to, okay. So I, I, I mean, I'm really gonna just wipe out all of the stuff he's accomplished. We're talking about in NFL circumstances, not like in all sports, and like in NFL circumstances. There's no well, definitely, in, definitely in NFL circumstances for sure. But to yeah. me, I, I think to me, if you're not having that conversation, I'm not saying you have to make him the goat of, of all sports. Oh, okay. But I'm saying if you're not having the conversation, if you're saying yeah, oh, he's not putting him in the discussion. He, yeah. yeah, if you say he's not in the discussion. The only thing you could even remotely think about is that stuff. And I, I don't know. I just need, I would need to know way more about how much of an advantage was given during those <laughs> things for me to say that that's disqualifying. That to me is yeah. crazy. It's crazy talk. You know, so, so, I mean, you know, shout outs to Tom Brady. Again, as sad as that makes me, he's had a tremendous career. He's uh, definitely going to go down. Like one of the greatest athletes of all time, and as it's crazy, you know, Jeff fans probably really going to disown me today. As crazy as it sounds, I am su- kind of looking forward to this like, like Super Bowl defense. We have to, we have to. Like, this is to me. This is the most like intriguing Super Bowl defense Brady's ever had. Well, yeah, I think people have to kind of understand what what we're watching right now. It's greatness, and I think people. Are I don't think people are fully like acknowledging not necessarily the greatness because I think people acknowledge the greatness, but like the absurdity of a guy at his age. Yeah, how this will never ever be done. Probably this will never happen again. Like being, we're talking about a title defense as if like, like as if like oh yeah, it's a it's like a foregone conclusion he's coming back and like it's a foregone conclusion that they'll be in the running and that or borderline be favorites in in the in the NFC. Like that's. That's so absurd. And, again, for a guy his age, like, we're watching in real time a legend at his peak. Like, Calvin Johnson, shout out to him, just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Or just got uh, selected into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. At 35. (laughs) Yeah. Brady's 43. Now, fair enough, like, Calvin Johnson could could probably still play. Um, I actually hope he does, you know, just because that would be so great to see a guy, you know, playing after he's in the whole game. But, like, like just think about it. Like, Brady had already established pretty much a whole, a whole thing career before Kyle Nassi even came into the league. And, like, now we're in a situation where Brady is still playing and Kyle Nassi is in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's – and not just, like, still playing, not just hanging around. Like, he's – Actively one of the best players in the NFL. I've 
It's baseball stuff. Like this is the only, this is the only you you see it in baseball sometimes. These guys that are like these pitchers or you know you, you talk about it where like Bonds was really old and he was still he was still mashing. You know like you you'll see it sometimes in baseball, but it doesn't happen in football. Like football is like the one sport where it's like father time truly is un is <laughs> unbeatable. Um. So yeah, this is I mean it's it's, it's crazy stuff, but it's rare you have like a living legend kind of athlete like this. You know, we have LeBron in the NBA, but I still feel like LeBron's like still like so much like in his prime and like, you know, again he's not he hasn't passed Jordan yet, and he's still kind of chasing something. Whereas Brady's not chasing anything at this point. Now anything he does is gravy. It's already been gravy. <laughs> what he did this, <laughs> this weekend was gravy, but like everything he's doing is gravy, and now he's just it's you know he's just he's just collecting whatever he can now. But it's it, it's incredible to watch. Yeah, shout out, shout out again, shout out to Tom Brady, shout out to the Bucks. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like this could have been what the end of Kobe Bryant's career looked like if he didn't tear his Achilles. That's interesting. I I don't think so. I think that with basketball and like you know, not to you say also put it on a stack team. To yeah, be not, to, not to say that you know quarterbacking isn't a high you know, risk, high-intensity job, physically it is. But I just think with the amount of running and jumping needed in basketball... It's just so impossible. Yeah, there's just no way that you're going to be 43 years old and playing like Tom Brady's playing. Now, I think that... LeBron's the only, pers- the only person who's gonna, who can possibly test that is LeBron James. And, and we'll he won't see. be 43, but, like, even if he's, like, 40, that's almost equally amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, have to, we'll have to see if you know how far <laughs> he can push it. But and he that's, claims this isn't going to affect his timeline at all, which to me means like there's there's a specific thing that he wants to happen, like there's a specific date or a specific time. Wait, that you said LeBron. Know. LeBron said this, like Brady doesn't affect his timeline. Yeah, like someone asked him, like given that Brady just won a Super Bowl and stuff, like at 43, like does this affect your own retirement timeline, or do you feel like maybe you want to push a little longer? And he's like, no, this doesn't affect. You know, it's interesting. But, yeah, it's interesting. I still, you know, I, that makes me think that LeBron has a specific, he has specific goals. Specific goals, a specific timeline for how he wants the rest of his career and the rest of his life to play out. And Yeah, I imagine LeBron to be kind of like Kevin Feige. I think that he has like a whiteboard of like, yeah, yeah, of yeah, like how, the, how everything's going to plan out and how he plans to do it. And his career yeah, I think he planned to do it, you know, with no, uh, you know, personal feelings attached or anything like that. But he has a vision. And he's going to see it through in that way. And I think a lot of it is tied to what Bronny's development is like. I agree. And I could even envision a situation where he retires or takes a year off. Comes back. Let's say Bronny can't, because his, his contract is up when Bronny uh, is a senior in high school. Like, that's when, like, when Bronny's going to college, quote unquote, or if he's able to go straight, that's when his contract's up. If, the, if there's no rule change, and Bronny can't go straight to the NBA, or even if Bronny's just not ready to go straight to the NBA, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires and then comes back to play with Bronny too. That's possible. You know, that's what I, that's what I that's what I gauge from that. But but I thought you saw that was interesting. Yeah. Do you think that I mean this is like me really being fantasy LeBron James GM dad? I guess I don't know. Do you think that he would in any chance like because this would be I think would be an interesting thing because you say okay. Because to me, like, guys like LeBron James, like, it's not it's not always about just, like, doing the big thing. It's doing the thing as 
bigger and better than anyone's ever done it. Never, never been done, yeah. So we've seen very few times, but we've seen father-son uh, duos. The most famous one probably being the Griffies. Yeah, the Griffies, right. Do you see a scenario where... Because I, I, can see, I can see where you're going. I can see him maybe taking a year off, taking years off to, you know, and then eventually coming back when, when Bronny's uh, um, when a rookie. Bronny is a rookie. Do you see a chance that LeBron would want to be a player coach and coach his son while also being a player in the NBA? I mean, can he be like a GM coach or like an owner coach? You know, that's also a possibility. As much money as he has. But, yeah, I can see that. Now, the, 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 the thing about the play, the thing about the coach, the player coach thing is like, he would have to, that would give him like a say and like the timeline would just be so hard to work around. You know what I mean? Because like, that would assume that like the team that drafts Bronny doesn't even have a coach. That they'd be willing to hire LeBron. You know. But I think well, here's what I'll say though. I think again, you talk about I mean LeBron has done more than any about any player in, in modern history of player empowerment. And to me, you know, if you if I, I go to a team man and say, Look, like if you sign if you draft Bronny, not only do you have the opportunity to get Bronny, not only do you have to have the opportunity to sign me, but you know, if you sign me, I'm I am ready, willing, and able to be the head coach to bring way more attention, history, and just money to your organization. Yeah, from a marketing from, standpoint. From yeah. a marketing standpoint. Like, what team, you know, again, if Bronny is like a legit lottery pick, you're talking about a lot of bad teams. I mean, you know, and again, you know, draft is draft. You know, they could, you know, a team that doesn't want LeBron could still draft Bronny. It doesn't matter. But if there's a team that sees that opportunity and sees dollar signs, I guarantee you, somebody's gonna try to make it happen. If that's possible. Like, don't, don't underestimate Rich Paul. <laughs> don't do not underestimate Rich Paul. Rich Paul, yo, if he's a front off, if he's a GM or a president by that time, I mean, then, then all happens. all bets are off. You know, so, so EJ man, you really going conspiracy? That that would be pretty wild. Yo, if this happens and in six years, you know, I I have to pull back this tape. <laughs> I said it first. No one yeah, else thought about me. this. The clutch snipers are watching. <laughs> clutch snipers are listening, man. Don't yeah. say this. Yeah, no, yeah. I got to see if my phone's tapped. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just a little fun there. I thought that was interesting. Um, what's up with the, what's up with Russell Wilson, man? So last, earlier in the week, we heard, uh, you know, teens were randomly calling the Seattle Seahawks saying, so. What about Russell Westbrook? I mean, sorry, yeah. Russell Wilson. And, uh, and the Seahawks were like, what about Russell Wilson? They hung up the phone. Um, that was peculiar. It was interesting. Was no one really... Report. Sorry, go ahead. No, okay. There was this weird report from Jason Locke and Fora that, like, oh, Wilson's camp is getting unhappy about the amount of hits he's taking. And that came out of nowhere. You know, I was like, wow. Like, Russell Wilson's unhappy. Um... What's the what's 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 the deal with this? And then he does the the Dan Patrick interview, which was strange. Um, Dan Patrick asked him, you know, are you, you know, do you, what's going to happen or whatever? And he's like, I'm I'm sure teams are definitely making calls, you know. Which I'm like, all right, <laughs> all right, Wilson. I mean, I agree with you. I'm sure teams are making calls. But then you know, he said that, uh, um. Uh, what should we call it? Dan Patrick was like, do you want out? You know, you're the quarterback. You're the franchise quarterback. Do you want out? And he was like, well, that's up to Seattle. 
which I'm like, well, okay. Because <laughs> you know? he, Van Patrick, like, knows how to do like, All right, don't, shoot straight with me. Like, you're the friend. No, the Seahawks aren't trading you unless you want out. Unless you tell them you want out. So, what's, this, what's going on? And he's like, that's up to Seattle. So, I'm like, okay. So, look, this isn't. Clearly, this is, clearly something is going on here. My question to you, EJ, is what precipitated all of this? Because, you know, a couple weeks ago, I feel like everything was fine in Seattle. We, you know, they had a rough end to the season. They lost to a Jared Goff, you know, who's playing with, you know, one arm. And, but that, and that was unfortunate. It was an embarrassing loss. But, like, they, I just don't, I don't think anybody thought that, like, the Seattle thing was done. Like, I don't think there was any, there wasn't any one iota of a conversation about, should Russell Wilson move on? Should they move Russell Wilson? And then out of nowhere, right after the Super mm-hmm. Bowl, this drops. What do you think Russell Wilson saw, Russell Wilson watched? Was it the Super Bowl? Was it Tom Brady mm-hmm. winning in Tampa Bay? Was it Aaron Rodgers losing to Tampa Bay? I, I, that's my question. So I think, it's, I think it's a couple of things. I think, well, I think it's one main thing. I don't know if it's necessarily a couple of things. The main thing I think that happened is I think he sees Aaron Rodgers win another MVP, losing the playoffs primarily because the talent around him still is just a hair below the snuff needed to win a Super Bowl. And he looks at a situation in Seattle, and I don't think he wants to be Aaron Rodgers. I you know he doesn't want to be a guy with one Super Bowl. Um, I don't think Russ has MVP, but you know he'll probably win one at some point. Maybe a couple of MVPs. But thinking about you know what could have been had you know this organization done more to, um, uh, what's the word like like more to to protect me and to help me out from my standpoint and my performance rather than relying on my greatness to make up for their ineptitudes, which is what Green Bay has done. Green Bay has decided Aaron's so great. We're going to try to spend money in certain spots, um, take care of certain guys, and look for out for ourselves because we know re- almost regardless of who's on the field, 12 is going to give us a chance. So I feel like Russell sees that. And, you know, Rodgers was talking about, I don't know what my future holds and because, you know, they drafted a quarterback, and, and I think that, you know, he's starting to wonder if the grass is greener somewhere else. I think Russell has seen that and said, I don't want to be that guy. Uh, the, 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 the Seahawks have legitimately neglected the offensive line for a long time. Um, I feel like pretty much since that Legion of Boom era, the Seahawks just seem to just have not been interested, really, in, like, truly taking care of the offensive line as an issue with the team. They did get DK Metcalf, so it's not like they don't have a big weapon. But again, you know, the Packers do have uh, uh, Devontae Adams. So do you have one guy? But again, who do they have behind beyond Metcalf? What other weapons have they invested in? They invested in the defense. They invested in other aspects of the team. But, you know, I think for Russ, I think he's like, this a, a game is, a, you know, I know Brady's playing for a million years, and, you know, Rodgers looks like he's going to play for a long time potentially. But this game can end your career can end at any moment and 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 do i want it wasted because this team can't protect me and i don't get a legitimate shot at trying to uh to to, to win with a team that's 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 truly invested in, in, in my success and, and and us as an offensive passing team 
I think that's something that that he's that he's talking about that he's considering, you know, and I don't necessarily blame him for that. Uh, is there a little bit of the look? I'm just gonna like it's it's is what it is. Like you know, he's married to a celebrity, and I don't know what their plans are for the future and what their plans are for the future as a family. Obviously, is only their business, but. I do know that they're a very visible couple and they're very active on social media and they very much like to be in the spotlight. He has a production company. I mean, they do they, a lot of deals. It doesn't, of, it doesn't appear that spending six, at least six months in Seattle it helps any of that. <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying that you can't do it, but I, I don't, I can't say that it's, it's, uh, it's the, it's the most, it's the best case scenario, you know. I mean, it was. I mean, and, I, and I, again, I don't. I, the only reason why I even talk about bringing our spouses and those their careers and things like that because it does play a factor sometimes. I mean, Carmelo Anthony didn't really like pretend or act like the fact that Lala's career, um, and where it was taking her, it presented being living in Denver and and having uh, a foundation in Denver presented challenges was just not something that was like a mystery or something that was hidden or something that they didn't talk about. Like that was on front street, you know, LeBron, I think tried to maybe be a little more coy with some of his stuff, but we all knew what LeBron's business dealings were going to be in Los Angeles. Like these things were obvious. So for when I think about Russ and I see the moves he's making, he seems to me to be the kind of guy that's moving beyond just being a football player. Um, And that's, Cool. I don't, I don't, again, there's no criticism with that. But I think what comes with that, you look at your situation, you say, am I really going to get my brains getting beaten in this city that's not even helping my, like, outside of football interests or needs or uh, looking out for my family? If it doesn't, I think he may be willing to move on. That's what we're starting to see. He's, him and Sierra are also really close with um, Vanessa Bryant and the Bryant family. And I think, you know, I think he'd seen, I think he he saw what happened, you know, in terms of like Kobe being able to get his own brand built outside of his sport, you know. Um, I think that's another example of a guy uh, doing stuff outside of basketball in his in his respect. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I feel like, I mean, look, that's the first thing that came to mind is all right. So, what's the team that he is thinking about going to? Um, because I think, I think you're right. I think it has to be a specific team, man, a specific team, but like a specific can I give, group. Of can, I, can I, can I give you the team? So you have, you have a team. I have a team. I have two, I have two teams. I've got, yeah, I've got a couple narrowed down. I have, I have one that I think is the team, but then I have a secondary team that I could also see in one to go, go to. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out, I'm going to guess that you're going to say Miami. No. Okay. Think about uh, think about a franchise that players always want seem to always want to be associated with. Yeah, P- not just players, just people in football. Dallas. No. Wow. Okay. I think I think Russell Wilson wants to be a New York Giant. Yeah, that was gonna be my next guess. Giants. I think Russell Wilson 
wants New York City. And, and I say that because when I when I see like some of the commentary I've seen honestly around Deshaun Jackson Deshaun Watson. I don't know why I say Jackson every week. It's gonna really drive <laughs> me crazy. Deshaun Watson <laughs> regarding the Jets in New York. So much of it is about New York City and the bright lights and things like that. And I think that I don't think Russell Wilson wants anything to do with uh, the Jets under any circumstances. But I, I think that he may look at the New York Giants as a great fit. Um, the Giants have been investing in their offensive line. It's not great, but they're, they they could be heading in the right direction. Um, the Giants do have weapons, uh, particularly one in the backfield. He has, he has not had you know that kind of elite running back offices since Marshawn Lynch walked out the door. And they have a, a stable organization, a franchise that certainly, again, things aren't great right now, but historically there's confidence that they could get back to being a great team and a great organization because that's what they've been for the most part of their history. They've had some obviously rough years and bad years, but the Giants are one of the true, like, the true one of the true blue, for lack of a better term, football programs in the NFL. And I think that, you know, there's questions about, you know, would the Giants shop Daniel Jones? That's kind of been, you know, at least floated out there a little bit. Not necessarily it's been shot out there, but, you know, I, don't, I didn't see like a, a big vote of confidence by uh, judge or anybody in that front office regarding Jones's future. I think that there's their their um what's their word what's the word there their response to those questions was basically he's the guy here so I guess he's the guy. It wasn't right. like this like enthusiastic. We can't wait to see what he's going to bring us next year. I think if they saw like an obvious upgrade at quarterback, they would 100 percent do it. And newsflash, Russell, Russell Wilson is a 100 percent upgrade at that position for sure. So. That's the team I think that he may be trying to angle to. The other team I'll quickly say is I could, and it's not any of the teams you still named. Uh, I, I to be fair, I, I think he'd be cool with some of those places too. But the other team I was looking at was uh, I was looking at Atlanta because I believe that's where Sierra is from. Um, they got some ballers on the outside. <laughs> yeah, uh, they got some serious players on the outside in terms of receiving cores and 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 guys that can catch the ball. I think he may look at that team and say, oh, yeah, you got me in there. You know, like we we become, we could be like what the Bucks were. So those would be the two teams I would look at. And Atlanta, you could do a lot of stuff with media now. Atlanta is, to me, like it's always been a, a big media capital. But to me, it's starting to really become like a rival to New York and Los Angeles. So I yeah, think anything, he wanted, the, uh, anything him or Sierra, <laughs> yeah, anything him or Sierra wanted to do, like it, they would have. They can do it in Atlanta. I'm sure she... I don't know. Some people don't like going back home, but I, there's a chance she may be thrilled with that. So those would be the those are the two teams I mind. Two teams that desperately need a quarterback that... I don't know if the Falcons are thrilled with the idea of like starting all over because the timeline for the players they have and then drafting a young guy is kind of weird. Like They may want to feel like they want to give it a shot with someone who's really good. Russell Wilson is really good. So those are the teams I think that he may be trying to angle his, his way to. Yeah, I think the Miami thing, the Miami thing is interesting other than the fact that, they, that like, they have no weapons on offense. So um, he's going to a worse situation offensively. Um, <laughs> that's the only problem. Right. Uh, exactly. But 
they also do have Tua Tungavailoa. So if you're talking about a team that wouldn't be able to, wouldn't have to gut the roster. Yeah. No, I don't, Tua is not like an A-plus prospect at this point, given that he had a, a up-and-down rookie season. Um, but he still, I think he would command more trade value than Jones and Ryan at this stage. Um, but I don't know. That, that, I feel it's a question mark. I don't know that for a fact, but I, I would assume, especially if the medical stuff is good. But um, but if you're able to keep that number three pick, uh, you may not have to. You may not. You may not be able to. But you also have another draft pick. Miami seems like a place that would be. I mean, wasn't was the Super Bowl in Miami last year? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that's not on the spot question. I just feel like because I feel like he. Was, I mean, he's at Super Bowl. He's at Super yes. Bowl. It it wasn't Miami. No. Yeah, it wasn't Miami. Cause I remember he was at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So was Tua. So was Burrow and those guys. But like Russell Wilson was there, and it was weird. Um, I mean, it wasn't that weird because Russell Wilson. He's at this one Super. He's at this Super. Bowl. He's always there. He's always if there's a yeah. camera, you gotta find Russell Wilson. Yeah. And then, well, then. Yeah. But he, he's quickly becoming like the the new age Tiki Barber. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That should be your Twitter bio. <laughs> Russell Wilson becoming a. <laughs> he is though. Like he's he's just always at the spot. Like he's always in front. And again, it's not. I don't say that with any shade. But like Tiki, right. at a certain point in his career, like that was him. Like, if he wasn't playing, he was still at NFL events, always. And that's yeah. what Russell Wilson is becoming. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I could see the Giants. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like there are, and there are teams out there that are better football fits. Like, Indianapolis would be great. But, you know, if he's like, if he's seriously worried about getting sacked too much, then Indianapolis would be a perfect fit. But, um, I feel like this has more to do with him getting sacked. I'll be honest, um, because I just feel like it goes both ways, really. Because you know, Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football made a good point about the amount of the salary cap. You know, the amount of the amount of cap room that he he commands. You know, you're not gonna be able to make. You're not gonna be able to have the offensive line that that Mahomes and Brady have had because Brady doesn't make as much. Um and uh, Mahomes, Mahomes has been on a, came on a rookie deal, right? Yeah, so they've been able to carve out a line that's that's stronger. Um, you know, and this is something that we talked about. At but the time. but we, we say that, but like at the same time, we watched them trade first round picks and sign Jamal Adams long term. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. for, so you gotta look at it from his standpoint. Like you see that yeah. you say, okay, I know we have you know few. Only a few rounds in the barrel, but the rounds we gotta take, we gotta they gotta make it count, and they're making it count in in ways that don't directly impact you. Of course, they impact the team because Jamal Adams is a good player and he helps their defense, but it doesn't help him from not getting hit, from not getting injured, um, and, and, and help their offense really in, in many ways. And, you know, they argue, of course, a deep good defense helps a good offense, but it, largely that's not it's not a direct impact. So. We we've seen them take some shots and they haven't taken it with offensive players. They just they just not something they've done. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah. I mean, I mean, look. I know people have brought up the the sack numbers and you know a lot of people have blamed Russell Wilson and said you know, oh he's got to do too. He you know he's got to stop doing so much running if, if you know. But I think that that's a misconception. I think people are. 
you know, I'm sure that you can find more intricate stats as to where his sacks are coming from. They're all coming out of the pocket, you know, uh, or how how long into put into the into the uh, what's the sack to what's the t- the sack to uh, snap time, the snap to sack time, you know, on some of these sacks. But I feel like, you know, I remember, you know, I had, I remember I had talked with somebody that worked with the Eagles. I mean, worked with the with the uh, Seahawks rather, um, and they talked about how, you know. They knew that Russell Wilson's speed, the franchise knew that Russell Wilson's speed was not what it used to be, you yeah. know, and that that's a misconception. They acknowledge that the media <laughs> miscon- misconstrues Russell Wilson's athletic ability at this stage of his career. Um, so then, so that's why I don't buy that he's putting all these sacks on himself, you know, like the line that, that, that to me, like, that's like, it, that's ignoring an issue that is, that is there. That the offensive line is not strong, you know. So you're telling me that, uh, that that so you're telling me that this offensive line, you know, Russell Okun, you know, being your best offensive lineman is like a good thing, you know. I mean, that's you know that's the so that, that's that's why I'm not sure about I, I'm not sure about uh this this argument that his his mobility is the reason why his sack numbers are so high. I think it has more to do with the line is bad. Um, but also the offense has they gotta they gotta maybe change up the offense. I mean, obviously they're moving on from Schottenheimer, uh, Brian Schottenheimer. But um, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. I assume I think he'll play this season in Seattle. But after that, I think uh, no promises as to what's Russell Wilson's future is in, in Seattle. Uh, I agree with that. I think this is clearly him setting the tea leaves up for eventually wanting uh, a trade. Yeah, a, a full not, request. Yeah, it's not going to – I don't know if it's going to happen this offseason. It wouldn't shock me, but I don't know if he's going to go that far. But I think that there's a chance that uh, he knows that, you know, he he's not he doesn't want to be in Seattle much longer, and he's kind of laying the tea leaves for when he uh, he eventually uh, looks to go elsewhere. Um, by the way, before we do our last subject real quickly, I do want to – you mentioned Brian Schottenheimer. I want to – Make sure we shout out uh, uh, and send our condolences to the Schottenheimer family, much of the NFL, for the death of Marty Schottenheimer, who was a longtime great NFL coach, um, coached a lot of different teams, brought success pretty much everywhere he went, and by you know most accounts around the league was a good guy, and just a, a good guy who loved the sport and was a good ambassador for the sport. And um, just want to make sure I give that shout out out before. And... Um, we're doing deaths. We had a couple of bad ones. I also want to make sure I shout out is not football related, but uh, uh the great basketball scout Tom Konchowski, who passed Tom away. Konchowski passed away this week. Um, Pedro yeah. Gomez. Well, yeah, Pedro Gomez as well. Quickly on Konchowski, if you if you watch, you know, if you you follow high school basketball, particularly if you follow New York high school basketball or New York AAU basketball, if you claim to be a true fan or a true follower of this, you knew Tom Konjowski. You knew who he was. This is a dude that um, dedicated his life to ensuring a lot of young kids, and predominantly a lot of black kids, uh, got a good look, got chances to get scholarships to go to college, and was just a staple uh, for the high school game and just a great ambassador for New York City yep. basketball. Um, if you love New York City basketball, again, you had to love Tom. Uh, I, I tweeted that, you know, I, I wished I could have been anywhere near nice enough for Tom Kinshawski to even think about <laughs> me as a player. But I, I did hope that at some point I could have met him in my second life of covering 
a lot of these high school players and covering basketball as a whole. That didn't, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to happen. But um, Tom's gonna be greatly missed. And as you said, um, I want to give a shout out, obviously, to Pedro Gomez. So that was also truly devastating loss uh, for in a bunch of devastating losses in the week of sports. Pedro died suddenly. ESPN reporter for a long time. So uh, you're mostly covering baseball, but he's covered almost everything for them. And uh, yeah, just make sure I want to make sure we get those shout outs out because it was a little bit of a rough week when it came to the deaths and what happened with sports. Um, last thing, Kendall, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I did quickly want to get your thoughts. The Eagles uh, said that a trade for Carson Wentz was imminent, yet that has not happened. Um, now there appears to be some discussion about whether or not the Eagles really had a good read on the value of Carson Wentz, given the season he had. Apparently they wanted a, a quote, Stafford-like deal. I find that very peculiar to me because, you know, to me, any in any deal that <laughs> uh, Stafford, I mean, excuse me, that Goff, is, I mean, excuse me, that Wentz is in, he's more like Goff than he would be Stafford. Uh, what is your read on on that on that situation? Um, are you surprised, given who they hired a head coach, that they're this adamant on moving on from from, from Wentz? It seems like the, the situation is becoming a little untenable. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, clearly, I don't think they're going to bring him back. Um, they wouldn't move in this. Far, they wouldn't move in this fast. Um, I'm trying to move him and only to then try and bring him back. Um, I feel like I don't know where the disconnect is in terms of where the what his value is around the league. Um, I think Stafford's value is probably a little inflated. Uh, mm-hmm. To be honest, I agree. With uh, that. I don't. You know, I don't know. I mean, apparently, Adam Schefter was saying that there was a very serious offer from Carolina to trade the number eight pick for Stafford. Um, I don't know why Detroit didn't take that. I don't, yeah, Sal- I don't know what, what Detroit would do. Or if they were just really just really trying to play nice with L.A. I mean, L.A. Did also gave them a lot, but, like, you could have the number eight pick in this draft, along with, like, you know, whatever they have, seven, seven and eight. Yeah, if you take, if you take eight and you have seven, I mean, your ability to move up to potentially number two is very good. Yes. EJ, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I would rather have seven and eight. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, or even Deshaun Watson. I may think, hey, man, I got seven and eight, yo. <laughs> I'm sorry, not really good right now. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, if that really was the offer, I'd have to. I'd have some questions over what's going yeah. on in Detroit. Um. So yeah, and obviously the GM in in Detroit, new GM Brad Holmes was uh, LA scouting director, college scouting director. So yeah, um, the relationship there. You know, if I'm a Detroit looker, I'm hoping that had nothing to do with anything. But, yeah, I mean, cause, yeah, because he may think more highly of Goff than maybe most of the league does, too. That's true. That you know, is point. Cam- Campbell certainly seemed to play down any kind of enthusiasm around Goff, but maybe the front office likes him more. You never know. Right. Um. Yeah, so I feel like I feel like the, the Stafford, I don't know what to make of the Stafford market, but, like, Wentz, I think, should be worth probably a late first rounder. Um, you know, if, if you're a team like Pittsburgh that – you know, if Rossberg didn't come back for whatever reason, and they move their first round pick, I think his I think his thing should be similar to where Darnold is at. Where Darnold is at, I think Wentz is probably I like Wentz better than Darnold personally. Um, that's not based on anything we saw last year. <laughs> you know, obviously Wentz did not look great last year. Um, 
But what I, what I think we have to remember about Carson Wentz is that the Patrick Mahomes that we saw during the Super Bowl, like that's what Carson Wentz had to deal with all this year, all this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that's how bad the Eagles' offensive line was, and that's really how bad it's been for a couple of years now. Um, they've dealt with so many injuries. Lane Johnson can never stay healthy. Jason Peters is having to fill in all across the line. Brandon Brooks has had injuries. Um, and that's that's the tough part. And, you know, it, it's hard to really truly evaluate a quarterback's talent when he's playing behind a line like that. And particularly when you're playing behind a line like that and he doesn't have any, like, elite receivers as well, you know? He he's dealt with injuries to Deshaun Jackson the last two years, Alshon Jeffrey the last two years. Um, he had guys like he's had tra- guys like Travis Fulgham emerge this season, Gray Ward emerge last season. You know, so they were able to replace those guys, but it's it's just been it, it's been a mess in terms of personnel for the Eagles and, and health. Um, not an excuse, but and he has struggled, but. You know, I don't. I know a lot of people when they point to Carson Wentz's issues, they point to the knee injury as the shift in Wentz's development. Um, and obviously, getting a you know tearing your ACL isn't great for a young quarterback. But um, you know, when I when I was with the Eagles, he you know I never once thought about you know he looked gimpy or you know he didn't look like the same athlete. Um, you know, he, he was definitely a high level athlete. Uh, yeah. It was. Just, you know, he didn't have, you know, whatever you think Carson Wentz is, like, that's, you know, he, he if he's not Superman, which I don't think he's Superman, I don't think anybody around the league thinks he's Superman, like, Mahomes might be Superman. The things that he, right. stuff he's doing in the Super Bowl, like, I don't think Wentz can do that. Wentz is going to look a lot shakier playing with that, <laughs> playing in that kind of situation. But a lot of quarterbacks will, you know, and I think starting level quarterbacks may in those situations. Mahomes is another level. I like Carson Wentz, but, you know, I don't know. You know, it, it depends. It's got to be the right team. I know Chicago's been thrown out there. Indianapolis has been thrown out there. I think Indy would be an excellent fit. It's just whether or not Indy's willing to, what they're willing to give up. Because they can kind of make any quarterback look pretty decent, given their line, the run game, and the defense. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, look, I, I think, again, I, I don't know if I agree necessarily with, you know, him being worth a first-round pick. I think... We've been too far removed, I feel like, from that MVP caliber season that we saw Wentz have. I think to garner something like that. I mean, I think his last season, I think objectively, was was pretty terrible. Um, I think he's played okay since that knee injury. You know, not terrible football, but not necessarily again. Definitely not Superman, as you said. Uh, If you told me he was more like a third-round pick, availability or a second you know i certainly could see that especially when i know you drafted a second round pick to replace him so uh i kind of look at that as well and look at your situation and be like how am i why am i giving you a first round pick for a guy that you don't want to play <laughs> right. you've decided that you want to go with uh with with hurts forever put up for whatever reason you know if it's it definitely seems like there is a certain friction with the front office and and, and wentz which is peculiar given they gave, got rid of Peterson, so you would have thought that that meant that Wentz was good now, but that doesn't appear to be the case. I, I feel like with Wentz and kind of his, his, uh, his decline, yes, the injury had a, a lot had, was certainly there, but I think a lot of it has just been the Eagles' uh, just depletion of true offensive talent. 
and they're kind of to me like the 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 poster child of like a team that like you know put together a really good collection of talent for a season and never found a way to really build on that with any good promising young players and kind of hope that Wentz would just kind of just you know again it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers just like he's not Aaron Rodgers but the idea he could just kind of just make up for the rest of the issues that the team had um they just watched guys just get old and and just become more less useful um I think a lot of that, you know, obviously goes with the front office. I think they got a lot of soul searching to do in terms of how they figure out the rest of their roster. But if I was um, a team, I, I'd be, I, I would say buyer beware because I, I don't want to put him in a situation where he's on a similar kind of team with no line and no real weapons. I think that that's a recipe for disaster. He's just not the kind of guy I think that's going to raise the ability of a mediocre team. But do I think in Indianapolis or Pittsburgh, a team that's pretty stable, if they took a shot on him, could he play well? I think that that's possible. I really think that is. But um, but I can't. It can't be on a team that's sorry that's expecting him to take them up another notch. Like I don't think that. Like even though Atlanta has some weapons, and I think that Russell Wilson would be a great fit. I don't think he should go to to Atlanta because you you're, you're expecting him to do more then you're asking someone like a Russell Wilson. I don't think that he should go to, you know, a team like the Jets or someplace like that or Carolina. Those teams, they, they need a quarterback to come in and carry them. You know, he needs to go to a team where they need the quarterback to just be steady and allow for the complementary pieces to do their jobs. I think that if he's able to do that and get to that kind of situation, I think that there's still a chance you can get a really good player out of him. Because I, I, to me, I can't believe that you go, you can go 11-2, be right in the mix of the MVP, and then your rest of your career – we just think you're a bump. Like, that to me, something went wrong, and it's got to be some way you can fix them. But if I got to fix you, I'm not giving up a first-round pick for you. That's my feeling if I'm another opposing it's, it, it, it's so weird because, again, I, I don't I don't feel like I had a really good read on Wentz as a player this season. Really, I mean, I, I don't I don't even want to say the last two seasons. I feel like he was fine two years ago. Like, wasn't, he wasn't spectacular, but... Um, I, mean, I think last year there was, there, and I think last season there was, you know, I mean, you were there. I mean, there was true frustration about, you know, what that season could have been had he not got knocked, knocked, knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That was the only frustration around Wentz. It wasn't anything really on the field. It was health. Man, he got hurt again, you know. Yeah. Kind of, a, you know, you throw your hands up and, you know, yeah. it happens. But, um, but no, there was no questions about him on the field. That stuff happened. That stuff came around this season, and I think we all knew when Brandon Brooks went down and Lane Johnson was hurt, like yeah, it was, it was over. the line was already trying to be trying to piece things together. I mean, Andre Dillard uh, was not, I mean, he just, he hasn't worked out, you know, <laughs> he hasn't worked out as a, as a left tackle for a front pick, um, you know, and that, 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 that's made life tougher for them uh, on the offensive line. But, you know, it's it's just, it's it's hard to really truly evaluate this guy when you don't really have a good read on him and like a, what a stable situation would be. Again, I I mean I can evaluate and tell you that he he's not Deshaun Watson. You know he right. can't look good with no talent around. Him, yeah, you know? all you have to see is look the records were similar, but look at their numbers. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's all you need to see to to tell you know what kind of caliber player yeah, Wentz, each guy yeah, is. Yeah, couldn't. Yeah, he. I mean, he couldn't stay upright playing. Right. On that team, he Watson, you, know, you know, played like Dan Marino. <laughs> yeah, those guys yeah. in Houston. <laughs> so didn't win anything, but the numbers were crazy. 
Right. You know, but like again, Watson, you were talking about you know a top five or six quarterback in the league. If Wentz can Wentz be, I don't think he's as good as Josh Allen, but you know, if you gave him what Josh Allen had, could he be effective? Right. The question you got to ask. So I mean, Indianapolis. I think if Wentz ends up in Indianapolis, we're gonna be like, wow, bold prediction. I was like, wow. I didn't think he had anything left in him. You know, there are a lot of people in the media that don't like to admit they're wrong, and I get it. You know, so I don't mm-hmm. know if people, any, I don't know if anybody's gonna be like, "Wow." People yeah, some people like, will make they'll make excuses. They'll make, yeah, they'll make excuses or whatever. But yeah, <laughs> we always saw it. And I'm like, these are the same people that were like calling a scrub, you know, during the season. Yeah, no, but I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna show people. You know, I'm not, you know, not saying he's gonna be great. He's not gonna be an MVP candidate, but. You know, a lot of the quarterback stuff is is about fits, about situation. Um, if if he doesn't, you know, to me, I'm talking it up to, like, I think he, I think it's a mental thing, man. Physically, I think he's he's fine. That's mm. you know, there's a mental hurdle. Um, you know, and that happens, man. Some of these quarterbacks they get the yips when you get sacked as many times as he has. Um, you know, it's a little bit of what Russell is worried about. Um, <laughs> you know, we saw it with David Carr. David Carr blasted the Texans this week, said, talking about the Sean, the Sean Watson situation. Said, I've seen this nonsense for 20 years now. So, <laughs> um, I just love how every anybody that's been associated with the Texans in their entire history is coming out being like, screw those guys. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Like, nobody's coming out being like, yo, man, Texans are trying their best. They're, they're a first class organization. Like it's funny because like with the with the Knicks like you have that and like you know the people in the media will say oh these are you know Dolan's adjustment that he's paid off that are coming out saying good things about Dolan and the Knicks every time Dolan gets hammered you always get two or three former Knicks to say hey Dwayne, Dolan's a good guy um, <laughs> the Houston Texans don't have that <laughs> and it's crazy because they got great players that have made a lot of money with them and they are not willing to come out and say anything good about their organization. JJ uh, Watts not willing. <laughs> he's Mr. Texan. He's trying to get out of there too. <laughs> yeah, but you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna get nothing from me. He's trying, to get out of, he's trying to get out of there too, man. Look, he told Watson the truth. He knew he was mic'd up when he said, "Yo, man, we ruined the season for you." No, right? <laughs> he knew the mic was there. He didn't care. Isn't that nuts? And that's that place. That place is sorry. This place is like I know jet things aren't good for the Jets, and the Jets have always been sorry. But when I see a team like that, that just has no no one willing to stand up for them. Nobody trying to convince the starting quarterback, the star quarterback, to stay. It's almost like Houston Texas fans. They almost have given up. They just like, yeah, we stink. Like you want to, you want to leave. I understand. Like, there's not this like anger, this feeling of betrayal. None of that stuff that's happened in the past with other big name players leaving their franchises that is happening with Houston. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Like, I don't know. And, and and they have more to me in theory they'd have more reason to be upset with Deshaun than even James Harden. Like Harden played there for much longer and took them further in terms of being close to winning a championship. And they seem way cooler with Watson than Harden. It's crazy. Um that's gonna do it for this edition of New Generation Sports Talks. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Of course, if you enjoyed this show, make sure you check out all of our podcasts on the New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us. Be sure to check us out on social media. We're on. Oh, excuse me. Well, before we get on social media, make sure you check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. 
where I said, you know, we're, we're putting up a video, we're breaking down the debut of the NBA G League E-Night guys. So make sure you guys take a look at that. Once again, New Generation Media is where you'll find us on YouTube. Make sure you find us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and Instagram, Action EJ. Kendall can be found on Twitter, at New Gen Ken. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. We'll be back next week with more sports talk. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.